It's time for Coffee and Company, fueled by Thornton's on Sports Talk 790. Now here's Nick Coffee. All right, hour number three here on a Wednesday afternoon as we get you set for Louisville and USC tonight in the Holiday Bowl. We're coming to you live from Boombas here in J-Town, South Hurstburn Parkway. If you uh, are looking for a place to get dinner, watch the game, no better place than to be right here at Boombas. They've got delicious pizza, gourmet pizza, and I'm sure when you think of Boombas, that's probably one of the things, or maybe it is the thing you think of, but they've got a lot of other really, really good options as well. I've been talking about their wings all day. They are phenomenal. And uh, a great, humongous bar here, handcrafted cocktails, tons of beers uh, to choose from, and a lot of TVs with a lot of football on. So uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, to the play, when it comes to, to, to finding a spot for a good atmosphere and good food, good drinks, they've got it all. So, again, come hang out with us. We'll be here live on the air for the next hour, and then uh, I'm going to hang out, have some dinner, watch some football here um, later into the evening. So hopefully if you come by, we uh, – we can, we can chat, talk some football. And we've, we've talked a lot of football throughout the show today. Uh, the bowl game that's going on right now, I don't know what the heck happened, but it was tied, I feel like, the last time I looked up at the TV. And then as soon as we're coming back from break there, it's now 41-20, to 20, Virginia Tech kind of running away with it here against, uh, against Tulane. And you know, there really haven't been – well, I don't know. I guess there have been some blowouts. Sometimes whenever um, I think of a blowout, you know, it could be a – it could be a 20 to 21 point victory or something like that, which is, you know, that's, that's not a close game, I wouldn't think, especially if, it's, if it, there's that kind of a gap between the two teams throughout the majority of the game. But now with gambling being such a, uh, I mean, it, you know, if a team won by three touchdowns, but they were favored by 18 and barely covered the spread, you may not think of it as a blowout because, again, you're thinking about them covering the spread more so than just winning by a bunch of points but currently Louisville favored by six against USC which I, that that does surprise me uh, I know it's actually gotten smaller I think the spread was seven and a half maybe even earlier today I think it was around there and I'm not surprised Louisville's favored but USC does have a lot of talent and when they go to some of their backups some of the uh you know, the, the, the skill position players that are going to be playing a lot more tonight than they've played all year because I think each team's top receiver and running back has opted out. Uh, of course, Caleb Williams, the quarterback for USC, he's opted out. Um, but when USC, teams like USC, when they go to their second and third string maybe that haven't played a lot, it's usually guys that were five-star recruits that have a lot of talent. So, I think it'll be a competitive game, but, uh, you know, Jeff Brown's done pretty well in bowl games. I think, as we just mentioned there at the end of the, uh, the 4 o'clock hour, I think he's 5-6 and six in bowl games. I think he's proven to, to, to be a guy that can have his team ready to play. And um, I don't think there's ever a coach that goes into a bowl game under any circumstance that does not want their team ready to play and does not want their team to compete and, of course, hope to win. I don't think you can be in that position as a coach, as a competitor, if you're not always trying to win. But you have to consider, you know, what, what, what's, what does the game mean to like, – give me give me an example. I'll use this, this game because it's the one that's on right in front of me. That's this Virginia Tech and, uh, and Tulane game. I mean, Virginia Tech's winning uh, without much trouble right now. Again, they're up 41-20. to 20. But I feel like Tulane, this would be a bigger opportunity for them than it would be Virginia Tech. Maybe I'm off base there because Virginia Tech's only 6-6. Six and six. Tulane's 11-2 and, and played in the conference championship game. So 
maybe this is a snooze to them. But, you know, that's one thing to, to consider whenever you – like, for example, U.S. – and maybe that's a factor in the spread being what it is because I don't think that there's a humongous talent gap here really at all, even without some of the guys playing for both teams. But, you know, for Louisville, this would be a chance for them to get win number 11, which, of course, would – I mean, th that would be maybe the third time that's happened in, in school history, something like that. So, you know, that – They've got something to play for in that regard, whereas USC, I mean, they've already had a very underwhelming year, um, and there's nothing you can do about it. But if Louisville wins tonight, let's say they win and they do it uh, without a lot of trouble. I still don't think we'll see any kind of a blowout, but let's say Louisville ends up winning this game, and really throughout the second half, it ne you never feel like they're they're not in control. I would say the national reaction to this game is going to be about Lincoln Riley. It's going to be about how Lincoln Riley uh, has been underwhelming at USC and that uh, they didn't, you know, USC didn't get anything close to what they thought they were getting when they brought him in from Oklahoma. Um, and there'll be, you know, there'll be talk about pressure on him to win next year. There'll be talk about him maybe going to the NFL because that's already been out there. So, um, you know, I, there's nothing you can do about that. I think there'll also be some love for Jeff Brom if, if in fact, Louisville wins and they look and they look good doing it. But uh, you know, when I think of bowl teams that are you know disinterested, it always it always takes me back to the Sugar Bowl because when Louisville played Florida down in New Orleans, I mean, I, I don't know if I was just distracted by being there in New Orleans and enjoying Bourbon Street um, on you know New Year's because that's that I mean that's that's what it was. It was awesome. But I don't remember in real time there being a whole lot of discussion about Florida being disinterested in being there. I mean, I later remember seeing all the Kirk Herbstreit comments um, on the broadcast and all that. But, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. If a team's disinterested, I mean, it's, your, it's in your best interest to go out there and hammer them. And I'm not saying USC is disinterested and that they don't care about this game. But I do think when it comes to that question as far as, who maybe wants it more here? Who would who who is looking at this as a bigger opportunity to change things for them this season? I would say it's Louisville. Um, you know they don't want to end the year with three straight losses. And again, if you can get 11 wins, that's that's something that most programs never get a chance to do. And I know you know an 11 win season is it wouldn't be viewed the same as the other teams that maybe had 11 wins that made it to the playoff, but still. I mean, 11 wins in, in, a, in a year for any college football team, uh, I would say, is considered by most a really, really good season. Not, a, not just a good season, but a really, really good one. All right, um, so the, the other conversation we, we had recently, for those just now joining us, is the college basketball blue blood conversation. So for those that, um, that missed it, The Athletic, they put out their three different tiers in regards to how they view – blue blood college basketball programs and i think the first tier it's it goes without saying and it's really the mount rushmore of college basketball programs in no particular order kansas kentucky carolina and duke and then after that i think for the most part most college basketball diehard fans would agree that the next group i think we're all on the same page as far as who is in the group but i think how you rank them, how you order them, it really just comes down to your opinion. <laughs> because after you get to those four teams uh, that I mentioned, Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, and Kansas, I think from then it's UCLA, Indiana, Louisville, Michigan State, Villanova, Connecticut, in, in, in no particular order. Although I would say Connecticut, 
has, I mean, if, if, if they're not considered a blue blood at this point, I would say it's just because they weren't doing it in the 60s, 70s, and even 80s like a lot of other programs. But that actually makes their run even more impressive. They have five national championships, all have been since 1999. So I know that's one of those things that, um, again, it really just comes down to everybody having their own different thoughts on it. But it does seem as if it does seem like it's something that people have very, um, very strong opinions on. All right, so we did talk about the Louisville basketball situation in the 3 o'clock hour, and it's been a nice break to not discuss that for an entire show. Leading up to Christmas, that was really what dominated the show for, I feel like, nearly two weeks because things kept getting worse, and then you just felt like, okay, well, if they're going to move on from, from Kenny Payne, they're going to do it after the Kentucky game because of the long holiday break. And I think a lot of us felt like on Thursday night when Kentucky won without really any trouble – um, Kenny Payne once again just wasn't it wasn't as if he said something controversial after the game, but just continued to just not seem to really understand where he is, right? I mean, you hired Kenny and knew that you were hiring a guy that had never been a head coach before because I think you felt like it was a, a risk worth taking because of two things. He can recruit at a high level, at least you thought he could because, you know, he'd done it for a while at Kentucky and had a great reputation as a recruiter. And then you also – you know, let's be real. If Kenny Payne had never played at Louisville, I don't think his name would ever be mentioned for the job. But he did play here. He won a national championship. So the two things that I think really helped him get the job, despite having no experience, have been two things he's really, really been bad at, which is recruiting, which I guess maybe that's a little unfair because the, the freshman group they have this year, I mean, that's a top 10 class. And they put it together after they put it together after winning four games last year. But currently they have nobody really in the mix for – the upcoming class, meaning those that will be freshmen next year. And the one kid that they're apparently now turning up the, the heat on has no offers. I mean, he's got, like, offers from IUPUI and uh, Green Bay. Wisconsin. I mean, it, it's, it's some schools that a lot of folks have probably never even heard of. So it just seemed as if, you know, we – it seemed as if after the Kentucky game that everybody was on the same page that even if you don't feel like they should have made a move then or make a move at any point during the season, I think we were all under the impression that, you know, it, it, it hasn't worked out and those, there's, and there'll be a change at some point. And maybe that ends up happening. But the decision not to make a move um, was confirmed with comments from Josh Hurd to Eric Crawford of WDRB. And I can't get a feel for... Well, first of all, just to be honest, and I've said it throughout the show today here and there, I have no clue what happened. Like, I, I know there are people that believe that, that Josh Hurd had a plan and he was going to put it in motion and make a move and then he got shot down. I've heard that. I don't know if it's true. Um, I've heard that he wasn't going to make a move and he wants to give Kenny the rest of the year because he seems to think that this will get better. I don't have a clue if that's true or not. So, you know, just a disclaimer, I have no clue what, in fact, um, Josh's mindset is right now. And I'm not entitled – I mean, I'm not – that's not something that I think we're, you know, I think there's a, there's a huge difference in being somewhat transparent and being visible and being out in front. I mean, I think that's just kind of what that job is, being the athletic director at a place like Louisville. Um, and I think that's, that's been lacking. I've, had, I've not had any, I'm not shied away from saying that for a while now, but when it comes to, you know, him giving us, you know, I mean, he's never going to come out and say, hey, uh, here's what I think of this coach. Uh, we should move on from him. He stinks. Like, he's never going to say that. So maybe, you know, maybe 
those that just assumed there was going to be a change made, maybe we were all wrong the whole time. But I do know that uh, they're about to hit a stretch of play here where unless they become a different team than the one they've been for really the majority of the Kenny Payne era, as young as it still is, they're going to lose a lot. And they've already done that, right? They were 4-28 and last year. Now they're, what, 5-5? Five and, five and something. Do you know, John? Are they – I try not to look at the record because it, you know, makes me. It's, it's, I know they have five wins. It. I don't know what the yeah, loss I think, total I th- is. I think they're, yeah. So let me just look it up here. So currently, Louisville is five and seven overall, and um, their strength of schedule is in the three hundreds, which is crazy. You're a five and seven team with one of the weakest schedules you'll find among Power Six teams, but the rest of the way, they're not projected to win another game until the end of February. In fact, that's the only – and, again, I have a hard time believing they won't win more than just one game the rest of the year because that would be hard to do. But then, again, they're playing teams that we know (laughs) are the kind of teams that, that, you know, are better than them at least right now. I mean, the ACC is, is not in basketball what it once was. I don't even think it's close, to be honest with you. And that's kind of a bummer. But imagine if Louisville was in this position and they were playing in the ACC whenever you had, at any moment, like five teams in the top 12 or something like that. And and that's clearly not what the league is now. So maybe that's a blessing in disguise. But, again, if you just look at the projected score of the rest of these games the rest of the way, they play Notre Dame on February 21st, and that is a game that's at home. And the projected score from Ken Palm there is 69-64. to So, I mean, I would assume that if there was somebody that considered making a change, and when I say somebody, I guess I mean Josh Urban. I don't know, maybe there are more people involved in this as far as the decision and having, you know, the ability to actually take action than than we realize. But, I mean, if if you just know that's what's in store the rest of the way, I guess there's a chance you could say, well, look, we can make a change and bring in an interim, but we're probably still going to be in the same position, so let's just give this guy the rest of the year to say we did. And if he doesn't turn it around, then I think it'll be an easy decision to to just move on. But I think, I mean, you're good to ask this question, John, because you're not a Louisville fan, but nobody would have thought Louisville had a line to fire Kenny Payne last week, right? Like, I mean, maybe you'd find somebody. It's not to say that nobody would would, would believe that, but from like an outsider's perspective, I think – it actually had turned into where there were more people surprised he was still employed. Yeah, with as much national noise as you heard, and I don't know that people were really expecting that much noise from the national side of things, I think that was what really prompted a lot of people, especially here in Louisville, to think that a change was going to be made. Yeah, and, and there are different college basketball outlets out there. Um, mostly, I guess, what I'm meaning is the field of 60, but I know there's, like, the athletic they've had. I mean, again, they had a Brennan Quinn in town to write that column about the whole situation last week, but I mean, we've become the ultimate, Louisville's become the ultimate punching bag um, because not only are they embarrassing themselves off the floor with just the whole Karan Davis stuff, and then you get the actual results, which are awful as well. Uh, and it just, it's a never ending cycle that unfortunately we're not even to the end of the calendar year, right? There is still roughly, you know, two and a half to three months left of basketball. And it, uh, it's only going to get more difficult because, again, you know, you're not playing Arkansas State, Pepperdine, DePaul, New Mexico State, 
Coppin State, Chattanooga. You're playing Virginia, Miami, NC State, North Carolina, Duke, Clemson, who is a top 25 team now. I mean, it could get it could get really ugly, and maybe that will lead to them making um, you know having a change of heart and make in making a decision to to move mid year. But um, it's just I've, you know this is this is unfamiliar territory from a Louisville basketball fan to be in this position back-to-back years where we're still so early on in the year, but, man, it's, like, already over. <laughs> I mean, like... The apathy will set in quicker than last yeah, year, too. Yeah, like, one of the cliches is, well, you know what? There's a lot of ball to be played, right? And there's still plenty of time. They'll get better. I mean, like, people could say those things, but I'm not sure if there's a soul that believes it with this current situation. So it's a bummer, no doubt. But imagine how sad it would be if we didn't have football to cheer us up. That would be, it'd be even worse. And tonight we've got our last opportunity to see Jeff Brom and this team in action, at least for this season, right? I mean, we'll have hopefully plenty and plenty of years the rest of the way. But uh, Louisville and USC tonight, looking forward to it, kicking off at, uh, at 8 o'clock. I keep forgetting Gus Johnson's on the call. That makes me excited. That'll be he's, fun. Uh, he's, uh, he's one of the best, no doubt. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, keep this thing rolling along. Again, we're hanging out live here at Boomba's in J-Town. Come out and hang out with us. Again, they've got a ton of TVs. College football's on from now. And really, I mean, uh, we don't get much of a break considering the bowl season's really getting going today and tomorrow. So come hang out, watch some games with us. And uh, I think you'll be happy that you did. They've got a great menu, great, uh, great beer selection. So, again, come join us. It's Coffee and Company coming to you live from Boomba's in J-Town on Sports Talk 790. Listening to Coffee and Company with Nick Coffee on Sports Talk 790. Uh oh, John, it did it again. It did a little cutoff for us, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> I feel like it only happens in the five o'clock hour. For it some does reason. it once a show, I've noticed. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. I think once per show. And if you know, again, it's probably something that nobody else would even notice, but we mention it every time. So I probably should. I'll, I'll leave it alone because I know it's not your doing. It's. Uh, it's just the system. But anyways, we're, uh, we're hanging out here live. About 30 minutes left here at Boombaz and Jaytown, at least for the show. I'm going to be hanging out and uh, watching some football. North Carolina and West Virginia getting ready to, uh, to kick off here soon in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which I think used to be the Belk Bowl. And then, of course, this evening, 8 o'clock in about uh, two and a half hours, we've got Louisville and USC in a game that um, – and I feel like Louisville – I mean, I, again, I, I – I think really all in most games this year for Louisville, they've given us such a mixed bag of results. Now again, the the most consistent result was winning. They went ten and two in the regular season, so ten and three currently when you consider the ACC championship. But you know, I think Louisville showed us right away that they have the ability to play well and compete with some of the best teams in the country. And then they've also shown us that you know they can not play great and nearly lose to some teams. You know that that aren't very good. I mean, the one game that comes to mind for me is uh, the close call against Virginia. Um, even the the game against Indiana. Of course, at that time it was pretty early, but Indiana ended up not being good and and firing their coach. So, I mean, I've, I've, I'm confident in Louisville this evening. But again, I know USC is a team that they've got personnel that I think a lot of programs would love to have. Now, a lot of these guys probably aren't super experienced because 
like a lot of teams, uh, they've had guys decide not to play because they're getting ready for the NFL. But um, to see Louisville still sitting at around a touchdown favorite, um, it gives me a little bit more of, uh, you know, uh, of confidence, I suppose. But, man, these bowl games are tough because I think it's just it's impossible to really know how badly each team really wants to be there. And, again, nobody ever prepares for a bowl game like, hey, we don't even, you know, want to be there. We don't care. I mean, that's never the mindset at all. But, you know, uh, it happens, right? And, and another thing to keep in mind is that a lot of these, I mean, nearly every team uh, playing in these bowl games has been off for a while, meaning they've, you know, they've had um, downtime. And I think yesterday, might yeah, the, the Kansas and UNLV game, I think broke a record for the most penalties ever. And the announcers were trying to say that it's just because guys were sloppy, they hadn't played in a while, they weren't crisp. And I'm sure that was somewhat of a factor, but it was also just like, I mean, I feel like you could probably, you know, you, you might mail it in, you might try to get away with a penalty that you know you can't do because you're just going to hope they don't call it. And, you know, if you're a senior, what's your coach going to do? Bench you the next game? Like, it's all over. So just little things like that come to mind for me when it comes to, uh, when it comes to these, uh, these bowl games. All right, so um, let's see here. The the other games this see yeah, so, yeah, a loaded loaded evening. Louisville-USC, I forgot that Oklahoma State-Texas A&M is also, um, is also kicking off to, uh, tonight. And that's another, I mean, A&M has already, you know, hired their coach, but he's not going to coach in the ball game. I mean, I, I think that may be the more, I mean, is that the most, when it comes to awkward bowl situations, right, where you've got a coach who's left to take another job, but he had such a good year that his team's in a bowl game, like that's really not that uncommon. That happens, that happens pretty, pretty often, actually. But a team that made a bowl but still didn't like their coach enough, so they fired him. Like that's, I feel like that's next level odd. Who's the interim in that? Because Bobby Petrino is obviously at Arkansas yeah, I don't know. now too. It's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I don't know anybody who's on who's on that staff. And then you've got some coaches like apparently, um, even last night in the UNLV, UNLV game, Barry Odom, uh, who's now coaching UNLV, was at Missouri for a while. You know, when I was just reading into what people were expecting in that game, apparently, you know, he's he's in the mix for other jobs, which I'm not even sure which other jobs are currently open. Um, but that's another thing you have to consider. Sometimes coaches are still there, but they know they're they're watching the phone, right? I mean, that was that was one of the things that um, that always stood out to me. I remember when Louisville beat Miami and Orlando, and I think at the time it was called the Russell Athletic Bowl. It was the last game Charlie Strong had coached at Louisville. And I didn't go to the game, but one of our photographers was there, and he was on the field after the game getting shots of, of you know, the celebration and whatnot. And I remember he had told me that it seemed very, very strange to him that Charlie Strong kept looking at his watch to see what time it was, as if, like, you know, he had somewhere to be, had something to do, which, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be that odd for a coach to, you know, have something going on to where he needed to be somewhere after the game. But you have to know you've got – post-game uh, press conference you've got your post-game radio interview that you have to do and it's always stood out to me that that he may have been you know needing to get to the phone to talk to Texas because little did we know he was discussing the the head coaching job with them and of course you know we all know what ended up happening he went there and, and it didn't work out but um, yeah there's you know I'd rather have bowl games than not have them. There's no doubt about that. And you, I think you'd always rather be in a bowl game than have your team not play in one. But um, you know, there's it's just such a different, uh, such a different type of game. Unless we're talking about the playoff. I mean, that's a different type of game. But that's because you're playing for potentially 
a national championship. But, you know, I mean, I think we've, we've already discussed it. But, like, next year when there's a 12-team playoff and you've got other bowls like the ones we're looking at now that aren't going to be in those 12 – that aren't going to be in the playoff, that aren't going to be one of those, you know, six bowl games, I think it's going to make these games even more, you know, uh, less appealing to people, right? I mean, I think that – that's unfortunately what's what's going to happen. Which again, there's going to have to be. It. I know we talked about this earlier, but there's going to have to be some sort of financial incentive, especially for the players, whether it be their their built-in NIL deals or whatever it may be. Something to get these players yeah. an extra reason to play in these postseason games. Yeah, and I'd say that would be your best way to to make it to where the the stars of the teams have more presence there, right? Where they are not sitting out. But when it comes to like the advertisers getting a return on their investment when it comes to the commercials and just sponsoring the actual event. I mean, apparently it's, I mean, they're still, uh, these things are still making people a lot of money. I'll put it that way, even without the star players. So maybe they're not looking at it as if they're seeing anything broken that needs to be fixed. You know what I mean? Like they're probably just, you know, Hey, we'll keep doing this as long as we can because, yeah. you know, the we're TV money is what makes the world go around in college oh, football. There's no doubt about that. All right, so a couple of uh, a couple of stories from the bowl games thus far. We'll start with one last night that uh, is, is is something. I don't know how to describe it, but Texas State they had fans uh, rushing the field because they were excited and happy that they were able to pull off uh, pull off a victory. I think Texas State, without knowing their history of a program, I'd say it's not super common for them to be in bowl games, but. The stadium ran out of beer during this bowl game, John. And apparently Texas State is believed to be the ones responsible for it because they they can put away some beer. They beat Rice yesterday in whatever bowl that was. But, um, yeah, this is from Reddit CFB. It says, um, Texas State has consumed all alcohol available on their side of Gerald Ford Stadium. Um, it says beer is an incredibly low supply on the Rice side. But sections 104 and 106 appear to have most stocked appear to have the most stocked supplies. So uh, they did their part. They showed up and they they drank a lot of beer, which you know I'm I'm, not, I'm sure there are people that go to games that never think to do that. But you know that that tells me that Texas State fans like to have a good time, and they clearly were just happy to be in a bowl game, right? I'd they say throw that it was, back too. Yeah, there's no uh, no doubt about it. Also, this is from last week, and I. I we kind of missed this just because of the holidays and because, I mean, heck, there were a lot of things that probably would have been worthwhile discussing, but we were just so consumed by Louisville basketball and, and, and waiting to see if they were going to make any kind of move when it comes to Kenny Payne. But the Western Kentucky quarterback who went with the team to the Bahamas because, you know, why would you not want to go to the Bahamas? It was the Bahamas Bowl. Well, he traveled with the team, but he was already in the transfer portal. I'll start with this. I didn't even know that was a thing. I would assume if you're in the portal, you're no longer with the team. But they took him. I don't know if it was like an emergency situation where they just needed to have uh, a quarterback available if somebody was to get hurt. And their starter traveled uh, and then did not play. Austin Reed decided not to play because I guess he's wanting to go work out and maybe try to land in the NFL if, if, if that's an option for him. But this kid balled out. I mean, he's a six-six kid from, from Bowling Green. Um, I don't think he had a ton of offers coming out of high school. Ends up going to Western Kentucky, and he put on a show. And what I've yet to what I've yet to see is did he pull himself out of the portal? Because he put on a 
a performance that led to him being a guy that, like, I'm sure there were plenty of college teams around the country watching that, thinking, okay, if this kid stays in the portal, I'm going to give him a call. I'm going to reach out to him because I've seen what he can do. And there's something, there's something about a guy just being different when he gets reps, when he gets out there in a real game, right? Like, I'm trying to think of a of a local quarterback that would that would. Yeah, it was. Oh, this is this this isn't a best example, but apparently this kid and Gus Gus would know he's here. The quarterback for Western that played in the bowl game last week, like well, he wasn't looked at as like a real contender to like start for them this year, right? It was Austin Reed's Actually, job the whole time, wasn't the, it? It was Austin Reed because he was the returning quarterback, and everybody and thought he was good. He, he yeah, was, he was good. And he didn't really perform up to expectations. You yeah. Remember, he actually. Oh, everybody. He was coming to Louisville. He was a rumor. I he talk, was coming to. That talk, was the deal. Oh, yeah. As I understand, he was supposed to be at Louisville. I, I guess talked he had about an that. Deal. Yep. I talked about that earlier because that's how Jack Plummer ended up here is because Reed decided to, to leave the portal right. and go back to Western. Uh-huh. Story I heard as and, well. And, you know, he was available and he has experience with Braum. But the, the kid, the was it Vander? Uh, Veltkamp. Veltkamp. Yeah, Veltkamp. Caden Veltkamp. Yeah, I mean. Who was a star at South Warren High School in Bowling Green? I think they was, won the so state. So was he the backup this year? Do you know? He was, I believe he was the third backup. Okay, that's so that's what I thought. Because I, he didn't start the game. He it was um, t- uh, Turner. I think Turner Helton, who was the nephew of the coach, who was probably the son of the coach at Georgia State, who is escaping my name at the Helton. Oh, he I was know at you're US, doing, yeah. Was it USC? Clay Helton. Clay Helton. Yeah. That's correct. So. Um, he started the game and did horrible. And oh, yeah, they were getting killed. They were 21 yeah. nothing down, so they said, well, we've got nothing to lose. Let's put Camp in there, and things just turned well, around. this kid, let's just say he ends up having a great career at Western, or maybe he ends up transferring and has a great career. And it'll be the, like, it'll be the ultimate nobody would have ever known unless he got Caden that Velkamp chance. Do you know what Camp is doing right now? No. He is sitting there counting the $100 bills that are being sent his way. Well, because I, I, I hope he comes back to Western being a Western yeah. fan. He looked good. And – at a side of that, they had asked him to come back and play tight end. Tight end. Well, he's not going to do that now. He's not doing yeah. that now. And everybody wants him to come back. He did talk about saying that he thought that he, you know, he wanted to, he, these were his guys and everything. But he also said in his post game press conference, I don't know, we're going to check. Okay, I know as well as you do, Nick, at, during that game, there were coaches seeing that around oh, the yeah, nation no and doubt. they're going, Get me somebody on the line, and we're going to cut a deal. And I would think, you know, he's six six. He's a pro type quarterback. There, I would think he's getting oh, some yeah. offers, some big places now. And I don't want to say that he's he's he wasn't impressive in practice or anything because you just never know. Because uh, Austin Reeves is a good quarterback, but Kyle Bolin was like that at Louisville. Apparently, throughout his career in practice, it was never a situation where they felt like he was the guy based off of how he practiced. But he got some opportunities when he got into games because of injuries, yeah. and he played really well. And he won, and he was he was successful. And maybe that's what happened here with the kid from WKU because um, you know. Didn't Kyle? I'm thinking about Kyle Bolin. Wasn't he in the game that I think they ultimately lost? It was the UK game, and oh, he that, came in so t- through t- two interceptions, but then he brought it back to make it tie. No, so it was in two, it was in 2000, and I forget the year. He came in and played when Reggie Bonifon got hurt. Yes, and he played really well, and it was against Kentucky, and he just kept throwing it up to Devontae Parker. They couldn't guard him, and. I mean, he looked good, and the next year, I think he looked like he was in position to potentially be the starter. And um, never it, that next year, they never really had a full-time guy. It was Lamar's freshman year. They went from Reggie to Lamar to Kyle. It was kind of back and forth. And then the following year in Lexington, Kyle Boland started, struggled. They took him yes, out, put in Lamar, mm-hmm. and Lamar did Lamar things, and 
um, had a phenomenal game and, and, and came from behind. So, uh, you know, it's, it, I think it's more, you're more likely to see offensive-minded coaches, former quarterbacks even, that are willing to just try somebody else, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, that, again, we'll talk about that a little bit here as we wrap up the show on the other side because, you know, I, I continue to get asked what we expect, what should we expect to see from the – I mean, you're going to see Jack Plummer. He's going to play. He's going to start. And if he's playing well and they're in position to win, then I think he's going to get a ton of reps. But, um, you know, I understand why fans were thinking, okay, this is a this is a kind of a glorified exhibition here. You do have a chance to get 11 wins. But we could also maybe get a glimpse of one of these young quarterbacks like Pierce Clarkson get a chance to see what he could potentially do. So I think it really just depends on how this thing plays out. If Louisville's in a good spot, they're in position to win, I think they're going to stick with Jack until until the end. But uh, no doubt, I think you've got a better better likelihood of seeing different quarterbacks in this game just given the, what bowl games have become now. All right, again, we got to get to a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. About 15 minutes left here as we hang out live from Boom Boz in J-Town, live on Sports Talk 790. Don't forget tonight. Once the uh, once the game comes to an end, in fact, as soon as uh, tonight's game ends, we'll go live with the Louisville football postgame show here on Sports Talk 790. Just a couple of minutes left here as we wrap this thing up, hanging out live here at Boombaz in Jaytown, and uh, we're going to be here. Well, I'm going to be here for a little while, so you guys should come out and watch the game here. Not just uh, Louisville and USC, which is kicking off at eight o'clock, but uh, a fast start here between Carolina and West Virginia, as uh, Carolina is. Uh, is already trailing. I think West Virginia scored on the very first play of the game. and uh, Yeah, West Virginia scored on the first play of the game. They've already got the ball back here. So uh, some quick action in, uh, in this one. What was the spread in this one, John? I, I took it in plus it. six and a half for North Carolina. Yeah, I would have uh, – I would have been tempted. To, I would have been tempted to do the same thing. And in fact, I'm gonna see what it is right now live because I may jump in. Uh, is even though it doesn't look great so far for Carolina, I still feel like that's the better, the better side of it. Uh, yeah, it's it's not currently showing up here on the board. I guess that's uh, what that's one of the things that makes it difficult about live betting is that it. And I'm not even sure if you've tried that yet, John. I have. Which I don't, I'm not a big live better. Uh, it's nice to do it. Uh, it's nice to be able to do it at times, but the odds change so much so often to where you know you can you, it, it's almost impossible to build a parlay because you're putting three legs together for three games going on at the same time and by the time you put in the amount of money you want to wager the bets that you put together the legs essentially are no longer what they were because yeah. in a matter of 30 seconds it's changed from minus five and a half to minus five so i tell you what yeah, i love I the alternate spreads you can do especially oh yeah no, i'm them. with you i hope you, you avoid the push totally totally all right, uh, well, that'll do it for us here again. Don't forget, as soon as this one ends tonight, we're going to be live for the postgame show right here on Sports Talk 790 Louisville and USC. And uh, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling confident in this game. I, I feel like this is a game Louisville will, will have uh, – I feel like we'll have more – I don't want to say more desire because I think both teams are clearly going to want to win. But I think it would, be, uh, uh, it, would, it would be a real shock to me if they didn't come ready to play. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. Again, come out here, watch the game with us at uh, Boomba's in J-Town.